I'm going to pray, and we're just going to jump into the Word this morning and see what God has for us, okay? And uh, I'm just super excited about uh, kind of the last message of 2013. I mean, for what it's worth, right? The year, what it's been about, maybe what God's been doing in your life. That's what we're here to talk about, like what God's been doing in your life, even though you think, well, how could you know? Just showed up today, right? So let's ask God to be present with us as we continue today in worship. Um, Father God, we don't come to you asking you to show up because you're here. I mean, that's the truth, right? You've been with us every step of the way. Your word says that you knit us together in our mother's womb, which is a mystery to us. We weren't even acknowledging, you know, we didn't even know ourselves, and yet you were knitting us together, caring for us. Your, your word says that every day of our life is numbered. Your word says that every hair on our head is numbered. And your word says that you know us better than we know ourselves. That's incredible to me, Father. That means before I confess my sin, and I sense it so strongly, the sin in my life, Father, I thank you for that conviction. You know I'm only agreeing with you about what you know about your child. Today, for my brothers and sisters to gather here today, wherever they came from, I pray that they would know that you've known them from birth. You've been loving them the whole time, and you're drawing them near to yourself. We pray, Father, that in this time, not that you would be present because you're present, but that we would acknowledge your presence. We would give you thanks, recognizing you as God. We bring you glory in this time of worship and adoration. As I open your word today and try to understand what it says, I pray you give me your wisdom. Your spirit inspired it. Help me to teach it rightly. More importantly, Father, help people to hear it rightly, that their lives be transformed by the proclamation of your gospel. And all of us, Father, want that. We want to serve you. We want to know you. We want to love you and love others. Teach us that today. We'll give you praise and glory just because of who you are. And we celebrate this. In Jesus' name, amen. It's, uh, it's a funny time of the year. I love the music selection today because um, it's uh, Christmas, right? And um, it's, a, it's a weird time of the year to be singing about the birth of Jesus. I mean, no, it's a weird time of the year to be singing about the death of Jesus because we just celebrate his birth. In the song stage, you hear that in the songs? That wasn't really planned. It's just the way it worked out. But the reality is that the song was saying about how could my king die for me? That king was in a stable, like a manger, a baby. And he, he, he gave his life for all of us, for all of our sins. I mean, there's this great, there's these kind of goalposts in Christianity of, of, of Christmas and Easter, of the coming of the Messiah and the sacrifice on the cross and the resurrection from the dead, defeating death. We're going to talk about today what Christ has done in us. This is a funny time of the year, too, because I don't know, and someone asked this morning, where's everybody? Well, there's a lot of people here, honestly. I mean, a lot of you all, praise God, you're here, right? But a lot of people are out of town, they're traveling, they're, they're you know, you, you have this big rush for the Christmas celebration, and then there's kind of this lingering time before New Year's hits, and then back to school, back to work, back to life, right? Whatever happens. And it's always this great moment we can stop and think, reflect about all that God is doing in our life. Honestly, it can be a dangerous time. I mean, some of us are so busy doing things, we never stop to think about the things we're doing. And we never stop to ask the question, is my life worth living the way I'm living it? Is God pleased? That is the prayer this morning that Carol prayed. Is God pleased with me? 
Is he celebrating my life? Am I celebrating him in my life? And it's a great time of the year because when you, when you look back, you can kind of see what God has been doing in your life. I hope you can, hope you can see that. And so today, um, we're going to talk about that, about seeing the, the, the truth of the work of the gospel. I mean, the truth of the work of the Messiah. And I want to be clear. I want to root this in the coming of Jesus, his arrival as a baby. I mean, there's no more... Um, you know, gospel proclamation, the fact that Christ came to live among his people to save them from their sin, that the very God of the universe came to save us from our sin. So we're going to be looking at the book of Hebrews. Uh, I'm going to push a couple of these slides. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 18. And this is going to be on page 839. If you're using one of our lovely orange Bibles, you can check it out there. And we're going to talk about through this, and I'm going to try to be very practical in what the Word says, but I want you to hear what the Word says, right, about these things. Okay, Hebrews 2, 10 through 13. This is what the Word says. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it is fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. That's going to be kind of the key verse today. I want to read it again. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it is fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Many times in our life, when we're going about, and I know you hear the narrative of Jesus' arrival, people did not recognize him immediately. I know the wise men came and worshipped him, right? I know that Mary sang a song in her heart. I know that Joseph was a faithful man. I mean, I know the narrative of those immediately around who saw him and experienced him, but for many, they missed it. If you fast forward about 30 years in his life, the people he hung out with all the time, and they saw him doing miracles, they missed it. They didn't see it. And, and I'm going to lay this out there as, a, as an idea for us to consider. That, that many times in our life, when Jesus is working, we miss it, right? We don't see it in the moment. Someone said this morning, it's a, it's a great time to reflect. And maybe it's not been a great 2013 I mean, maybe it's been great, you know, and that's awesome. If it's been the most amazing year, praise God. You know, you can praise God for that. But, you know, honestly, do we recognize him in that? Do we praise God when we have success? Do we praise God when we have struggles? See, it's so often, like the coming of Jesus, we miss it. That's, you know, just religion, or, or, or that's just a coincidence, that was just a circumstance. Aren't I lucky I didn't die this year? Anybody feel lucky I didn't die this year? Right? I mean, I do. I feel like God saved me this year. 
How, how many times do we recognize what God is doing in the moment? I don't know that we usually see that. And I want you to hear the high words from Hebrews again. And we're going to read through the, all these verses now with this in mind, asking, do we see what God is doing in the moment? Okay, now this is about the incarnation of Jesus, the coming of the Messiah, the promised one to Israel to save all people. He will be the God above all gods, the only God worthy of praise. It, all of creation is due to praise him. Our very beings cry out to him. The trees and the birds and the bugs, I mean, everything longs to praise Christ. And this is what Hebrews says, in bringing the sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, I mean, in case you don't believe what I just said about everything having this impulse to rise up, to be better, to glorify their creator, look at what it says. Everything through whom and in whom everything exists, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Here's the cliff notes. That's Jesus. That's Jesus made perfect through what he suffered. Read on with me now. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. We're all in it together. Check it out. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. This is the work. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly I will sing your praises. I mean, Jesus' default mode is worshiping his Father and inviting us to do the same thing, declaring God's name to us, 13. And again, I will put my trust in him. And this is a funny thing, because I talk to people all the time, they go, man, you know, Jesus is God, so what was the big deal about the crucifixion? Did you not hear? He quotes Psalm 22 when he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, it, is, it was a faith venture for Jesus and his humanity to go to the cross for us. The baby that was swaddled in clothes, in clothes and so warm, and, you know, we sing songs about how radiant his face was and no crying he made. I mean, the kid didn't even cry at night, I guess. Right? He's... He went to the cross for us. And it was an act of faith. Why did you forsake me here? He believed God. Check it out. Now, reading on. And again, he says, Here I am and the children that God has given me. Right? I mean, that's us. Here I am and the children that God has given me. Verse 14, Hebrews writer says, Since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus also shared in their humanity so that by his death, oh, listen, he might break the power of him who controls the power of death, that is, the devil, in slavery, and free those who were in, held in their lives in slavery by their fear of death. I mean, Jesus came to defeat the one who was in the garden who had cursed Adam and Eve. I mean, not who, but you know, who attempted them to sin against God. He had come to break the hold over death, and that's what the writer of Hebrews, it's huge. Break the power of the one that holds death and free those 
who all their lives are held in fear of death. Seems like a tough time of the year to talk about death, doesn't it? Crucifixion. It's the holidays, man. Check it out. We live our whole lives afraid of death until we meet Jesus. Until we hear the good news of resurrection. Until we hear the hope of a Savior who will save us not just then but now. I mean, who will redeem our lives now where we are in him. 16. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. That's people, me and you, right? You remember Abraham? He's helping us. And for this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. I told you that was coming. I mean, this is what Jesus came for, to make atonement for our sins. We were lost. We were dead in our transgressions. We had no hope without Christ. And then verse 18, because Jesus himself suffered when he was tempted, this is beautiful, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Okay, so we're talking about that a little more in a minute. But he comes, God in the flesh, taking on full humanity to save us from our sins. One thing that I was struck by this year is was having a conversation uh, with a friend of ours, and um, it was a, t- a tough situation we were in. And, and the person, I don't know if you had this happen before or not, but the person said, well, how about you? You want to pray? You know, and I'm a pastor, so I get asked to pray a lot, so I'm like, oh, yeah. But, you know, they're like, you want to pray? And I, in that situation, didn't really want to pray. I didn't want to pray. I'm like, you're the, you know, muckety-muck, you pray. <laughs> you're the one giving me advice, you pray. And they said, you want to pray? And I said, yeah, I'll pray. And I prayed. And I heard a word come. I heard a word come from God. And I don't mean like in a revelatory, like, oh, you know. But I mean, these words come out of my mouth. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. And not because I said it, because I think God told me this truth. God, I thank you for all the things that you've saved me from this year that I don't even know could have happened. Right? I mean, you look back on a year and you go, man, it's been tough, or man, it's been great. But do you just say, God, thanks for just delivering me from stuff that I don't even see, I don't even know about. Sometimes the conversation goes like this. I'll be talking to somebody, they'll say, man, it's really going, it's going really tough for me. I'm like, oh, I hate to hear that, and I'll talk to you about your problems, what's going on with you. And, this, and, then, you, and then so many of you will say, but you know what, I talked to so-and-so, and they got it. It's so much worse. And they're not saying that like in a way to say like, boy, I'm better than them. They're saying, gosh, I feel so much. We, I want to enter into that, su- that suffering with them. Mine is nothing compared to that. And all of us, when we begin to look at our lives, we, we, in the moments, you know, and then we look at the cross, the Son of God gave his life for us. And we say, Father, this is nothing compared to the things you've been through. The beautiful thing, though, is that when we look back, we will see, and I'm just convinced of this, that God has been saving us the whole time. You may not see it right now. I don't see it right now. God is delivering you the whole time. 
Trust him. He's doing his work in you the whole time. And we don't often, often see that with our own eyes. We don't see it, all right? So here, so then the second thing that I want to talk about, I'm, does it all come from this ver- the same, uh, same key verse, basically, right? And it's this, the second idea. Suffering brings perfection. Now, this is a funny thing because <clears throat> as Christians, a lot of us want to avoid suffering at all costs. Anybody want to avoid suffering? Anybody? You guys like to suffer? Okay, yeah, Dave. <laughs> Dave don't want to suffer. He's out. You know, the rest of you guys, you're in. You just said, nah, I'm cool. Bring it on, Lord. Bring your, do your worst. You know what I mean? Make me perfect. Right? Uh, it's a funny thing as Christians, when we see the cross, we wear it on our neck, we put it in front of our, our worship services, you know, we put it on our house and our walls, I mean, we, we, we integrate it in our life, and, and then we look at that cross and we say, Lord, deliver us from all suffering. Like, we don't want any part of it. Here's my hang-up. I was raised as a kid with this idea of a martyr complex. You know what a martyr complex is? Oh, I'm giving so much for so many people. Oh, you know. The, the, I mean, I'm not, you know, there's people that you talk to that no matter what you're going through, they're going through something worse. You know? I gave my whole life for you. Is there any parents in the room? That's true, by the way, kids. We gave our whole lives for you. Okay. Uh, no, you know. And this is what I get. I mean, a, you know, spit in the eye and slap in the face and broken heart. You're walking on me. You know. We always talk about that, don't we? The truth is, though, suffering brings perfection. It's true. Nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to do it. There's something in it that changes us. Read it with me again, if you would. Starting in verse 10. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting, we heard that, that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation, that's our salvation, and the pioneer is Jesus, perfect through what he suffered. Perfect through what he suffered. Now, here's a, a tough thing to deal with. Well, Jesus is always perfect, right? Yeah. But he suffered it was real in his flesh. It wasn't a joke. When he, was, when, he, when he couldn't carry his cross anymore, it wasn't a joke. He was wore out. When he would go up to the hills to pray because he was so tired of healing people, it wasn't a joke. When his disciples shook him and woke him up in the boat and said, we're going to die, we're going to die, and he suddenly rebuked the waves and he calmed the winds and he said, why do you doubt? It wasn't a joke. He was giving everything he had for us. He was suffering for our salvation. And indeed, in the end, his suffering brought him to perfection. What the word says, made perfect through his suffering. It's it's an incredible, incredible statement. We're invited to enter in with him, but he is the First, he's the only one that pays the price for our sin. I mean, if we're to be saved. I'll say this. You can choose to pay the price for your sin if you want. 
I don't think you can afford it. Jesus paid the price for all of our sin. He was made perfect through what he suffered. Listen now, leaven, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are in the same family, right? So we're invited in through his suffering to perfection. This is what we talked about earlier, sanctification, uh, holiness. We're invited into this relationship with Jesus that makes us better, even makes us perfect in God's eyes. You know and I know we're not perfect, but in Christ we're made perfect. He is changing us. I've heard someone rightly say that Jesus will come to you where you are, but he will not leave you there. You don't see anyone in the Bible that he runs into, that he walks away from, and they aren't completely changed forever. The only people that leave from Jesus' presence that aren't completely changed forever are people who refuse to believe him. They go away the same. But if you know Christ, you are being changed. You're being sanctified. And, and the Spirit of God that is in you is working out righteousness for your sake, bringing you to perfection. And you will say with me, well, I'm not even close. Yeah, we know it. God is making us perfect. And sometimes that perfection comes through our suffering. We're led there into suffering with Jesus. Here it is. Both the one who makes them holy and those who are holy are the same family so that Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, right? There's the most terrifying verse in Scripture to me. It says, many will get there on that day and say to me, Lord, Lord, and I will say, I never knew you. I never knew you. Here it says that Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters when we enter into his suffering, when we follow him into the roads that he would have us to go on. And, there, and there's a whole world of advice that says, don't, you don't have to do that. Just believe in Jesus, punch your card, you're going to be saved. Man, there's a whole bunch of people that are going to meet him face to face, and he's going to go, I don't know you. I, I don't, I don't. Who are you? And that, to me, is one of those like wake-up verses where I'm just like, Lord, I want to know you. I don't want to play the games. I don't want to pretend. I want to enter in with you. Like, I don't want to be a martyr, but I want to, if you call me to something hard, I want to do the hard thing. I don't want to do the layoff thing. I don't want to do the easy thing. Jesus, where would you have me to go? Who would you have me to die for? And you're like, well, now you're getting crazy. I'm not dying for anybody, right? I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I don't know, guys. I mean, he has called us to a high and holy calling. Following Jesus is no joke. Jesus is not ashamed then to call us brothers and sisters. I'm just going to read through the rest of it. I want you to hear it again. He says, I will declare your name, Yahweh, to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here I am and the children that God has given me. Man, we're right there with Jesus in his suffering. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of the one that controls death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in fear of death, held in slavery in fear of death. Honestly, many of us 
won't follow Jesus because we're afraid of suffering and we're afraid of dying. I watched the craziest documentary about, did anybody go to Guatemala with us? Anybody here this morning? Yeah? A couple? Right on. You remember those chicken buses? You were the only smart one, Christopher, because he went and checked the website for safety, and he said, dude, this place ain't safe. And I said, Chris, life's full of risks, right? Man up. And you know what? You already worry about you. You worry about your wife. I watched this. Those people in those chicken buses were being killed when we were down there. That's no joke. I mean, we were like, oh, they're cute buses. People were being shot on those buses while we were down there. Life's dangerous. But in Jesus, we don't have to fear death. Or fear suffering? I just heard a report that said that East St. Louis is the most dangerous city in our nation. You know where East St. Louis is? It's out there on the West Coast. It's way out in California. It's not in California. It's in New York. East St. Louis is right in New York. Down, have you been to East St. Louis in New York? Anybody? Where is East St. Louis? 20 minutes from here is the most dangerous city in our nation. Okay, most dangerous how? You're going to get killed there. You can be killed there. Guess what? The first thing I did when I saw that East St. Louis was the most dangerous city in the country is I went, wow, praise God. For my brothers and sisters who have a ministry for 20 years in the projects. There's a place called the CAC, the Christian Activity Center. They put in the projects in East St. Louis. They've been doing it for more than 20 years. Mom, dad, kids living there with the city. High risk. Suffering for the gospel. It's no joke. 20 minutes from here. I just said, praise God. What a witness. I mean, what's your life going to be about? What's my life going to be about? Am I going to get to the end and go, well, I made it here safely? <laughs> Am I going to get to the end and be like, that was crazy? <laughs> you know, like we barely made it out alive, or maybe we didn't. Maybe we gave our lives so that someone else could hear the gospel. In Christ, we are free from our whole lives being held in the slavery to the fear of death. Jesus sets us free from that. For surely it is not angels that he delivers, but Abraham's descendants. And for this reason, he was made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of his people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, and he is able to help those who are being tempted. The second thought, man, suffering brings perfection. And, and, I, and I'm not trying to be a martyr, I'm just saying, look at your life. Is it worth living? When, you know, when you cash in, is it worth, is it worth living? And the last point, and this is it. We're going to come right to the last verse. Jesus 
is working in us through it all. I mean, and I want to say, through it all. You know? It's unfair to look at our lives and say, boy, the hard parts, that's where Jesus is working, but the good parts, he wasn't working there. That's not true. Man, when the money's just raining down from the sky, you know what I mean? When you got no cares in the world, when the house is paid for and the kids are fed, and I don't know what your life's, you know, you got cool rims on your truck, you know what I mean? Or like whatever, the girl that you wanted to go out with went out with you, and everything's just lining up and beautiful. Like Jesus is helping us in those times. He's doing his work there. He's doing his work when it's not that way too. He's in it with us, through it all. His word, his name is Emmanuel, God with us, Elohim, with us. He doesn't leave us or abandon us, forsake us. He delivers us. And he's with us through it all. Jesus is working. And it's just the last verse, and I'm just going to hit that. You can read it, though. It's all in there, the whole thing. It was fitting for God to do this work through Jesus for our sake. Verse 18, though, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. I mean, he's with us. I say to you guys all the time, I say, you know, do you invite Jesus into your life like real life? Not do you invite Jesus to show up when you put on your Sunday best and go to church. You know what I mean? Not do you invite Jesus to hang out with you whenever you're around your church friends and you're doing the right things, right? Do you invite Jesus into the nasty, ugly junk in your life? I mean, are you, are you there? Because he is. 18 says what? Tempted in every way. But Jesus never had to deal with this temptation. Yeah, he did. Jesus wasn't like me in this way. Yeah, he was. I mean, what do you think his incarnation's about? Like us in every way, and yet delivering us from all of our sin redeeming us beyond what we could hope or imagine and making us holy, sanctifying us, making us pure, blameless, spotless before the Father. It's an amazing work. Washing us in his blood. Praise God. You got to invite him in to your life, though. Everyone who went away sad didn't believe. It's just the way it is. And, and, and he comes over and over. And maybe you've heard some people, you know, like over Christmas talking about Jesus. I don't know. But he, he's, he's there with you. And brothers and sisters who believe the gospel, don't doubt his presence when things aren't going well for you. He's there with you. He's delivering you. And in fact, he's working in us through it all. And he's working for our good and his glory, which is hard to believe sometimes. I want to close with this other verse. And I love this. This is from the prophet Isaiah. And it's beautiful, um, of course, because it's scripture. And uh, I, you don't have to turn there. It's going to be in Isaiah 63. Because I want you to hear. This is interesting because Jesus was the fulfillment of prophetic ministry in the Old Testament, right? Like the people who came and they were anticipating Jesus coming spoke about him. And it's all over. I, one of my favorite things to do during the Christmas holidays is to read the prophets about Jesus, right? I mean, because you get a real sense of like how it was happening. 
all the things that he promised were happening in Christ. Um, but here's the, uh, here's the verse. That's a, kind of a summary version right there, but I'm going to read all of it to you so you can hear the word today. 63, just 7 through 9 is all I'm going to read. I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord, and that's Yahweh, creator God, spoke everything into existence. I will tell of the kindness of Yahweh, the deeds for which he is to be praised according to all that the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things he's done for Israel. If you know anything about Israel's history, it wasn't always easy, right? But the many good things he's done according to his compassion and his many kindnesses, he said, surely these are my people, my children, who will be true to me or who will not be false before me. Talk about pretending. Be real with God. Don't, don't, it's not a joke. And so he became their savior. This is about the Messiah. In all their distresses, he too was distressed and the angel of his presence saved them. There's no way it's written where it says, his very presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them, he lifted them up, and he carried them. And here's my favorite, all the days of old. He says, he carried them all the days of old. Right? There's this uh, song that we sing on New Year's Eve called Auld Lang Syne. You know, you ever sang that song before? The f- opening line is so funny to me because it asks this ridiculous question, should old acquaintance be forgot? I actually thought I had the wrong verse when I read that. I'm like, is that really what that says? I'm pretty sure I've sang it wrong a lot. No, that's what the line says. Should old acquaintance be forgot at the end of the year? Should we just forget Everything has happened. I love here in the psalmist, he says in verse 9, in his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Man, God has been delivering his people from the very beginning. And he's been delivering you and me as well. It says here that he was the Savior, that the Messiah became the Savior. And it actually, um, it means he became the open door. He became the way. He became the path to freedom. He became the path to life. He became the escape from death. He just plowed through all the brokenness of humanity and made a way for us. And I don't know if you believe that, but as we look back, and maybe we don't see right now, man, how is God working in my life? I want you to just believe that Jesus has opened this door before you. He's made the path straight for you, and he's invited you in. Just step in there. That's what I'm going to do. 2014, just step in there. See what God has. Good times, bad times. Celebration, suffering. Celebration and suffering. Just walk in there with Jesus. He's made this wide path of salvation for us. We can enter in with him. I don't know what you got going on. Hang-ups, concerns, doubts, worries. I hope you'll just bring it to Jesus, for real. The author, perfecter of our faith. And trust him with that.
Please pray with me if you would. Uh, Father, as we've come into your word, and we've heard this glorious truth about this work you've been doing since before the foundations of the world, I mean, that, that, that you've been saving your people, that even the prophets were saying, he's coming and he'll be savior, and he'll make a way that is so wide before us, we can just walk into it, just live into it. Father, we, we admit that we have failed, and we admit that we have screwed up. And maybe right now, Father, we have stuff in our life that's just, you know, sinful, evil, nasty stuff, and we know it. And we bring it before you, and we say, we need help with that. Show us the way forward, Father. Lead us to the paths of life. And we want to enter in with you. And as we, as we sit here on this precipice of this new year, we never want to forget You've been delivering us from everything, delivering us from our sin, our selfishness, our self-indulgence, all our hypocrisy. You've been delivering us, and you've been delivering us to a new life. May we enter into that new life with you. Father, for my brothers and sisters who right now, I I sense our hearts are before you saying, bring us to the new life you have for us. Show us what it is, and we'll go. Help us to walk into that by the power of your spirit, that we will glorify you and actually... um, be free, be free from this fear of death and find true life. May you be glorified through the work that your son is doing among us. May your spirit be made known amongst your people and may we proclaim you all the days of our life. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name.